0: You are now listening to WTLB Digital Radio, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You are now listening to WTLB Digital Broadcast. The only network where you can make real transformation in your life. The Transform Youth Live Media Broadcast Network. Tell Alexa, hey, play Transform You Live show or visit com. Our veterans don't want to go to the private sector. You have
2: more veterans that want to come to the VA that are appreciative of the care at the VA. And it, and it's more than just medical care.
1: It's, it's, hey, you know, by the way, did you know that you would be eligible for a loan uh,
3: for a house or a home? Okay, um, let's look at it. you live. You live. It's You live. What? Bob? How? You know what? I've
0: to have got both physical and already blessed to you, and
1: the energy that's already here for you. Circus you put me on here, I think you got a great show, I think you got very smart viewers out there that really appreciate the content you put out there, so I greatly appreciate you taking the time uh, to put me on your show, I would really have a lot of fun, I have a lot of fun every time. All these
0: quote-unquote laws and rules, Be left freely and be who you truly are and who's created to be. Now listen, listen to to the, Trans- the Trans- live, live Show. show. For more information, visit transformvbroadcast.com. That's transform- to you Broadcast.com. Now it's time to get locked for the Transform you Live Show. The only show that combines spirituality with business and personal development. The only show in the universe where you can make real transformation in your life. Now it's time to get the mind and your spirit over and make way for your hopes, hello my people my people welcome to the transform you live show with your host marcus hart we are back for another amazing show and we have a mind-blowing awesome guest here today I am so thrilled and I'm very blessed to have this guy on board today. Whether you realize it or not, most of modern society's thinking is based upon a philosophy known as materialism. The notion that physical material known as matter is fundamental in the universe. In other words, it's the basis of all reality. Everything is comprised of matter and everything can be reduced to matter. I'm talking about no other than Mark Bober. He's going to explain this and more. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Most importantly, you know, what I'm talking about is all explained in your book. Introduce the title of your book. Introduce you to the audience. All right, thank you. So my book is
2: called An End to Upside-Down Thinking, Dispelling the Myth that the Brain Produces Consciousness and the Implications for Everyday Life. So we'll talk about that topic, but separately, my background really on the surface has nothing to do with my book. So I work at a Silicon Valley strategy firm called Sherpa Technology Group. I'm a partner there. Uh, prior to that, I worked in investment banking with UBS in New York, and this was during the financial crisis and, and you know, working on, with companies on mergers and acquisitions and capital raising, and that was an interesting time. Prior to that, I was at Princeton University where I was captain of the tennis team. So all of those things that we just talked about with my background, they don't really have anything to do with consciousness. Oh, not at all. (laughs) The topic of my book. Exactly. Um, So the story is that about two years ago, I was listening to podcasts, actually, and there were some interesting ones that started talking about things that I'd never heard of, like the ability for people to communicate with dead people, to talk to like beings that are not physical. These were things that sounded totally crazy to me. Uh, but I heard enough podcasts of people describing very similar things in this area, and I said, hmm, what's, what's going on here? I need to research this a bit more. It seems like something's going on that I've never been exposed to before. And when I started doing research and looking at actual science and quantum physics and studies that I had never heard of, I realized that what I thought was the real reality was totally off, and that the universe we're in is very different And that ultimately led me to research for a year straight where I'd go to work during the day and then I'd read books and look at the science and actually talk to scientists, watch the YouTube videos, listen to podcasts. And as I did that, I started to tell friends about what I was learning. At first, I was a little bit self-conscious because it sounded kind of crazy to talk about like psychic abilities and the idea that we don't die when our body dies. But eventually, I had enough solid science that I could explain it to people. And when I explained it to them, they were like, wow, I've never, never heard about that before. And they, they started to have positive shifts in their lives because they were looking at things in a different way. So I got a lot of positive feedback. And I said, OK, and this was July of 2017. I said, why don't I just sit down to try to write and put my thoughts on paper and just summarize it? So it was July 4th weekend. I locked myself in my apartment in San Francisco. It was a four-day weekend. And I just wrote for four days straight. And I ended up writing more than half of the book that is now out, and into upside down thinking, um, and and I finished it over a few weekends. So that's the story of how I got from you know finance, former athlete, to writing about consciousness.
0: Wow! So I I got to challenge you here, man. You know, like you you come from a background where totally, you know, like. Uh, it doesn't sound like much of science. <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. sound like much of science, science or religion at all, you know, because uh, this stuff, you know, when, when you talk about getting into the spiritual realm, and and you know, most people will right away say, well, okay, uh, what religion are you? <laughs> okay, and uh, you know, uh, what uh, what uh, where did you get your ordination from? <laughs> so. So, so where did you start? Where, where did you have to start to start getting the answers uh, to the questions you had about the, the, the material? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. So my perspective
2: before I learned about some of the things that I write about in my book was that I really didn't subscribe to religions because I didn't see the reasoning. I didn't, I didn't see like the scientific backing for a lot of what religions, that at least I was familiar with, what they were saying. So I was very much in the, the perspective of life doesn't have any meaning at all. And the perspective that I had, I now realize it's this materialism that you were describing earlier. So materialism basically says the following, and this is the, the underpinning of most of modern science, what I'm about to describe. There was a big bang 13.8 billion years ago. It filled the universe with matter, matter meaning like physical stuff that we can touch, atoms. When you have atoms in this big universe, you end up with interactions where they start bumping around and hitting each other. We call that chemistry when matter's interacting. When you have enough random chemical reactions, chance tells us you're bound to end up with a type of molecule like DNA that ends up self-replicating. Just chance says it's gonna happen you have a molecule like dna and that leads to the evolution of living beings like a human and the human develops a brain and from the brain comes out our awareness our mind our consciousness so when i say i'm having a, an inner experience right now that's experiencing this interview that's my consciousness it's like not physical right so if i said to your listeners can you touch your arm right easy to do you can touch your leg very easy can you touch your mind
0: where
3: is okay. it?
2: Okay, <laughs> where, where is it? So the materialism perspective says that we started with a matter, material universe, and consciousness comes out through a brain, through a being. And that implies that if our body dies and our brain dies, that our consciousness should also die because the brain is what's produced it. And if the brain's not functioning anymore, there's no more consciousness. And that was my perspective before of the brain's the producer of my my life, my experience, and if I'm... I don't have a functioning body anymore then there's no memories and it's all gone so I reasoned that life didn't have meaning because once I'm dead I'm not gonna have any memories so no matter what happened during my life it's it's kind of over uh, it doesn't really matter and if I try to come up with meaning it's just rationalizing to try to make myself feel better so to answer that's that's to answer your question of where did I come from before I got into this that's how I felt so for me to realize maybe there's something different and their science to, to back it up that was a major change for me
0: nice so when when thinking about you know uh things uh, such as uh gifts gifts of uh of remote viewing you know mm-hmm. um, when we think about near-death experiences and things like that uh how can we begin to understand those things better you know, uh, what, what, what is happening in those things, and, and what, what, have, what have your studies uh, revealed to you? It's a really important question. So when we just did that exercise of, you know,
2: touching your hand, your leg, uh, your arm, and then trying to touch your mind, what I was exposing there is what's known as the hard problem of consciousness. In science, and I didn't realize this until I got into it, we have no idea how a brain could produce our consciousness. All we know is that the brain has a relationship with our consciousness. Like someone gets in a car accident and all of a sudden they can't remember or they can't see very well. You affect the brain, our consciousness is affected. But all we know is that there's a correlation. There's a relationship. We don't know is that the brain produces consciousness. Okay, and Science Magazine has said this is the number two question in all of science. Where does our consciousness, how does the brain produce it? So what I'm arguing, and this is getting to your question, is that the brain doesn't produce consciousness but that the brain functions more like an antenna receiver or like a filter mm-hmm. where there's a the consciousness that exists beyond us and our brain kind of limits what we see, perceive. So if you damage the brain, you're damaging the antenna or the filter, then you're going to affect the conscious experience. But the experience itself is like, you know, when you're watching TV and there's a, you have a little antenna that picks up the show, the signal is not coming from the TV set. The signals come from outside the TV set. The show that you watch on your screen is not produced by the TV, it's produced from outside. The TV is like a processor that allows you to see it a certain way. So if we think of the brain as being like this processor antenna filter, then it would be possible at least that when the body dies, the signal, the consciousness itself, didn't die because it was never produced by the body in the first place. And that could explain a near-death experience. Things like remote viewing, which is the ability to perceive something when you're not physically there. It's like seeing it with your mind. Well, if our consciousness is not produced by us, if it's not limited to our, the being located here, then it would be possible in theory to see something that's far away because the consciousness is everywhere. So in my book, I go through different examples where there's actual science for these topics that, and you asked a great question. You said, Mark, you're not a scientist. What I did in my book is I compiled the scientific evidence from other scientists. So that people a general audience could say oh do i buy this or not and to me they all point to this idea that the what, what our body is is more like a, a vessel that that is experience that is a lens
0: through which consciousness is having an experience i think it's uh, very you know um notable too to you know uh, mention that you, you have some people who you know have uh endorsed your book can you, can you actually like list some of those people who like actually endorse
1: your, your book too? yeah thanks for mentioning that so a number of people
2: People from different areas have endorsed it. So a number of scientists have endorsed, which is helpful because, you know, my background is not scientific per se. Um So one example is Dr. Edmund Alexander, who's a former Harvard neurosurgeon. Um, Dr. Ed Kelly, who's a, a professor at the University of Virginia, a neuropsychiatrist, and he's a Harvard Ph.D. Um, Dr. Roger Nelson and Brenda Dunn, who used to run the Princeton uh, Pear Lab, the Engineering Anomalies Research Lab. Alyssa Eppel who's at UCSF and she's the co-author of The Telomere Effect which is a New York Times bestseller. She's another scientist. Uh, Pixar founder Lauren Carpenter and Goldie Hahn, the actress, is endorsing the book and also Jack Canfield who's the co-author of, of Chicken Soup for the Soul and Dr. Irvin Laszlo who's a Nobel Peace Prize nominee. So that's just naming a few people from different areas who have looked at this and, and, and basically are saying that the science is is reasonable enough for us to
0: be considering these ideas. That's real huge, man. And uh, I, I really got to you know, give that, you know, give you kudos to that, you know. So I uh, you. You know, uh, really, uh, really going to take a look at it myself. So I'm really excited about it myself to uh, really, you know, dive into it uh, more into uh, what you, uh, you know, relate to us. Uh, so so what is reality then? You know, uh, so uh, if we're, we're talking about consciousness, you know, what what would reality be? This is, this is the big question
2: is what what is all this that we're experiencing and I don't think there's a, an answer that we can necessarily prove but what I can give you is what the different pieces of science at least point towards it seems to me like this physical world that we're in is a way that consciousness is having a diversity of experiences where reality is one big consciousness that's entangled to use a term from quantum physics where it's like connected we don't really see it And each of us is having an individualized experience within that broader reality. So there's an analogy I love in my book from, his name is Dr. Bernardo Castro. And he says that, imagine all of reality is like a stream of water, where water represents consciousness. Each of us is like a whirlpool. I'm a whirlpool made of water. You're another one, Marcus. You're a whirlpool. Someone else another whirlpool. But we're all just made of water. We're made of consciousness. But we're having these localized experiences. So it seems like we're just in this one little thing. But we're part of the broader stream where we're actually connected. So to me, the reality is that everything is, that consciousness is the basis of everything. And we're having experiences to, it seems like, to learn. And the way I, the where I come from that is, uh, where, I, where I get to that type of idea, is something called the life review. And this is in the near-death experience, which you mentioned earlier, yeah. really important. It's chapter eight of my book, and end to upside-down thinking, uh, chapter nine of my book, and end to upside-down thinking. A near-death experience is when a person is in a very harmed state. So their brain is either off, like they're in cardiac arrest, they're clinically dead, or they have severe brain damage, and they're like potentially about to die. What many people report is that they hover over their body they feel unconditional love. They see things in the room that are later verified as being accurate. They then have what's called a life review. And this is where we talk about like what's reality. In the life review, they've experienced their whole life in a flash. And they're like judging themselves for how they acted towards different people during their life. What happens in many of those cases is they start to take the perspective of those they affected. So let's say Bob is in a near-death experience having his life review. And he was really mean to Jane. He will somehow flip into being Jane and feel the pain through Jane's eyes. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back from his near death experience and his life is typically forever changed. He doesn't care about material things as much. Money doesn't matter. It's more about how he treats people. And so people come back from this experience saying, look, the, what we're here in this reality is for, is to move towards this state of unconditional love, as they put it, and treat people very well. So the reality is, it seems if we take that very literally, that we're in this kind of learning ground, uh, consciousness experiencing the world through a body to see if we can
0: treat each other well. So sort of like um, jumping in the other person's whirlpool, so to speak. Exactly, exactly right. And if we're all (laughs) just made of
2: water, if we're all just made of consciousness, then that would be possible in theory. So that's where yeah. I think it's a strong pointer towards this idea that we're all one consciousness having diverse experiences. So it just seems like it's me. It seems like it's Marcus, but at the core level, if we take it
0: to the top, we're, at, we're actually the same. Okay. I, I like that. And you know what? And that makes a, a lot more sense, you know, because, uh, you know, because if, if the moment is, you know, is happening actually right now. You know, and and if it's happening right now for you, you know, why, you know, why, why wouldn't it be hard, you know, to, you know, not, you know, be able to, you know, experience it, you know, together, you know, which, you know, which, which, in a sense, it sounds crazy, but you know, but what, what, what would it take, you know, and and has your 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 research, you know, point you to a possible solution to maybe try to mash the two together, you know, or, or is there something happening in the spiritual realm that, you know, uh, that's making that possible? Hmm. Those are really important questions.
2: And one of the reasons I decided to write an end to upside down thinking is that there are tons of open questions like that one. That we don't have great answers to and i think part of it is that we haven't been studying it scientifically because the ideas are they sound so crazy that no one's looking at them and people aren't funding the research so i i don't know the answer to that and i would love for more scientists and really smart people to be spending time to try to find ways to uncover that because as we know there are a lot of problems in the world today and to me they all stem from this misunderstanding of consciousness of thinking that we're conscious because of our bodies well, if consciousness is independent of our bodies and there's this, the other realms that exist that we're not seeing with our eyes, then we've got to rethink our society, I think, and also how we treat each other.
0: Nice, nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with Mark Brober. Uh We are going to take a quick water break, but we're gonna come right back. He is the author of the book and Into the Upside-Down Thinking we will be right, right back. This is the Transform You Live show with your host, Marcus Hart. Compelling talk and look into the semen wizard-like gifts of telepathy and more. Mark gober in his new book, An End to Upside-Down Thinking, reexamines semen wizard-like gifts of telepathy, remote viewing, precognition, and more through this new filter, bringing forth the scientific studies that support this viewpoint. Be prepared to be astonished. An end to upside down thinking. Mark Gober. An end to upside down thinking. Welcome back, my people, my people, my people, to the Transform You Live Show. I'm your host, Marcus Hart. I'm here with the fabulous and amazing Mark Gober. He's the author of the book. What's the name of the book, Mark? An end to upside down thinking. It sounds so much better from you <laughs> because Thanks, you're brother. the author, you know, and you have the authority. Let's talk about something that you have, you know, definitely revealed some, some, some good revelation about remote viewing. Talk more about remote viewing intellect. Okay.
2: Yeah, so remote viewing is something I had never heard of until I got into my research. It's the ability to see something with your mind when you're not there physically. So, like, I'm here in California, and a remote viewer is able to see something that's in another continent, for example, and draw it out accurately. So it sounds totally crazy, and again, if we think that consciousness is just confined to our bodies and limited to here, it's not possible. But if we're like the stream of water, where all we need to do is kind of open our whirlpool up a little bit and access another part of the stream, right, then you can maybe conceive that this is possible. So, in Chapter 4 of An End to Upside-Down Thinking, I talk about the evidence for remote viewing. And I think some of the strongest evidence comes actually from the United States government. They ran a program for over 20 years using remote viewers as psychic spies. Wow. to basically spy on other countries for national security, and this is during the Cold War. Um, so. It was kind of under wraps for a while, but in recent years, the scientists who ran the studies, many of them, it was run out of the Stanford Research Institute. And these were laser physicists who were running the studies at Stanford and using remote viewers. Certain documents have been declassified. So up until the declassification of certain documents, the scientists who were running the studies, they were saying it's real and they've written books on these topics. The remote viewers who were very talented at this, they all say that they could do it. And now we have documents from actually the U.S. government, and I, they're publicly available. I show them in Chapter 4, and they say very explicitly. Oh, hold remote. on, hold on.
0: You, you actually show the documents in your book?
2: Yeah, yeah, they're public documents. <laughs> Can you repeat yeah. that
0: one more time for our audience?
2: <laughs> I show the documents. These are just downloaded from the from the site. They're declassified. And they're a- a- approved for a public release, and they say remote viewing is a real phenomenon.
0: Now, this is real great because we don't have to go look for this ourselves. We all we have to do is go simply buy your book. <laughs> well, that's Marcus. That's really
2: what I wanted to do with this book. Is that when I researched, I had to look all over different places and bring it together. I wanted to make it easy for people who are interested, and not everyone's going to be interested. That's fine, but I think certain people are, and yeah. my this book hopefully is a way for people to have. Uh, their first look at this type of evidence and if they want to dive in further, they definitely can. Oh, this
0: is uh, definitely but, be my first time looking at it, so I'm definitely geeked about it. So, awesome. continue, okay. continue further. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, but that's a really good point. I mean, these are actual documents that anyone could download and this is a direct quote, remote viewing is a real phenomenon. That's wow. what the document says and then they show a page that says, here's a science panel that looked at it and it includes a scientist from Caltech and the next page is the science panel's findings, and it says, Implications are revolutionary, evidence too impressive to dismiss as mere coincidence. These are direct quotes from the document. So, right, so they're saying some heavy stuff. Um, former President Jimmy Carter, okay. he confirmed that remote viewers were used to find a downed Russian bomber that was lost in an African jungle. and No one could find it. And he said the remote viewer went into a meditative trance, and they were able to draw it out, and they found the bomber
0: wow it's crazy yeah that's <laughs> oh, that's, that's freaky man <laughs> so you know yeah it, you know it, you hear about this stuff and you know and, and, and you don't get any you know no real solid confirmation about it and and then and then when you don't understand how the, the whole the whole uh whole process goes and in, in, in the in the uh and the science behind it, you know, I guess, I guess that's where we get lost. So, so how, how does it work? You know, so like, you uh, you know, what, what is happening when they, they go into these, these, these meditation and you know, when they, when they sit down and, and they, they go into these, these, uh, these, these trances? Well, I think, I think it's not totally understood exactly how
2: it happens. We know that some kind of a meditative trance-like state helps people do it Better And when the Stanford researchers, so one of them is named Russell Targ, he has a book all about the proof of of these types of abilities that was written in 2012. And what he says when he's working with remote viewers is he guides them to quiet what he calls their monkey mind. So basically quiet out the thought and allow yourself to
1: just kind of receive information. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten Lucky? Lucky.
2: And as we think about this antenna metaphor where the brain's like an antenna receiver, it's like making sure that your antenna is picking things up really well. And I guess the remote viewers who are really talented at it, they're able to like tune into the right TV station. If we think of the brain <laughs> as like a TV. They tune into the right station and it shows them what's there. So, I mean, why can't all of us, why why can't the normal person do it? I've never remote viewed something. I think there is a distribution of of. Skill sets. So, like in basketball, you have Michael Jordan, who's amazing, but anyone can dribble a ball. They're not going to be like Michael Jordan. So, I would say most of us on remote viewing, we can dribble a ball, but we're not like the, the people that were used in the US government. And right. part of that is because we're not really trained. I mean, I was never trained in school. It's not something that in 2018 people are talking about much. Um, and then also, there might be something about the, the way people's brains are just naturally structured that we don't understand. So, it's like their antennas configured in a way that allows them to do it better and these are the sorts of questions that i'm hoping and into upside down thinking will expose and open up for scientists to explore
0: okay so ultimately um, you know so aside from uh, remote viewing you know when you talk about telepathy, uh, and i i may be saying I'm, i know i'm saying it bro I, I always butcher the word can you say it for me <laughs> <laughs> telepathy telepathy yeah yeah, I, I know I'm saying it right, but some tell me I'm saying it wrong <laughs> all the time. Uh, so so let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about that as well. So so, so uh, what does your book say, say uh, about that? So there are a number of cases of things like people
2: who are twins, where something's happening to one of the twins and the other twin knows, and there's no physical contact, they're not talking to each other. So there are instances like that. Uh, but some of the controlled studies where they're actually done in a lab, the, there's one that I think is, is at least somewhat easy to understand that I think is a good one to go through. It's called the Gonsfeld experiment, G-A-N-Z-F-E-L-D. And this is a type of study that's been done over many decades by different scientists in different labs. And when you combine the results from the different labs together, you end up with a very compelling set of, of results that are not talked about very much. Uh, but the, when you combine the studies, I think it's something we have to look at. The study goes like this. Bob is in one room. And he's put into a state that's known as a Gonsfeld state. And that just means a, a relaxed meditation. He, he's got headphones on. He's listening to relaxing music. They're flashing lights. The point is to get Bob very relaxed. Jane is in another room over here. Okay. Jane is given a picture by the experimenters. They, hey, they say, hey, Jane, I want you to mentally send an image of this thing you're looking at to Bob while Bob's in the other room. So she's doing that for a while. Bob's just chilling out in his room. Afterwards... Bob is given four pictures to choose from. The experimenters give Bob four pictures. And they say, which of these four was Jane sending to you with her mind? And Bob is like, I don't know. I'll pick this one. You would expect that Bob would guess correctly 25% of the time. That he would be right one out of four. Because Jane shouldn't be able to do anything with her mind, right? Because consciousness is just in her. What do we find? We find that it's closer to 32%
0: that Bob
2: is correct. And if we use statistics, the odds is that that's just a chance occurrence over all those trials. It's like more than a billion to one. It's like something real is getting through sometimes. So it suggests that we all have this subtle ability. And it kind of makes sense. Like sometimes I'll think of somebody and then they text me or call me. But it doesn't happen all the time. Like many people experience that. And it might maybe that's that 7%. Where the people in the studies, they weren't the superstar Michael Jordans. These are everyday people. And they're still exhibiting... A slight deviation, the 7% more than 25, 32 versus 25%. That's a really big deal. Um, Sometimes I hear the argument of, well, Mark, why should we care about that if it's just a small deviation? If it's just 32 versus 25, shouldn't it be 100%? I would have a few things to say to that. Number one, how do we know that? Like, Why does it have to be 100% accurate? If If it's accurate any more than chance, then something's going on. Exactly. Um, It's right. We have to be able to account for it. And then another way to think about it is there's a lot of really small things that are making a big difference in the world, like the Ebola virus. That's a really small thing. You need a microscope to look at it, but that can make somebody very sick. So here we have a small effect. It's very significant statistically, and it's like what people call an anomaly. It doesn't really fit the the traditional thinking. It shouldn't happen if the brain is keeping our consciousness here, uh, but it's happening. And so, to me, it's sort of like the idea of the whirlpool, if we go back to that. Reality is like a stream of water of consciousness. Each of us is a whirlpool. What would happen if my whirlpool opened up a little bit and allowed in the water for Marcus's whirlpool, right? It's like a telepathic communication. And maybe that's what's happening in the study.
0: Oh, this, is, this is really great, man. And, you know, and it's, it's great that we have this conversation. And I, I, I really, really see a, a bigger need for this conversation to be had a lot more and, and, and you know, it, it really seems to me that, you know, you're really making the case with this book to, to have this conversation out it. Is more. Is this, is this what, you, what you're trying to do? And, and, and why, is, why now? That's a really important question.
2: Yes, it's what I'm trying to do, is to start the conversation, because a lot of these topics, they're just kind of swept under the rug, especially in our academic institutions. And that's the source of our education. So people are being brought up under certain types of scientific thinking, which have been very useful. But I think if we're missing some of these ideas, what else could we be missing scientifically? What could we be missing in our technology? What about our medicine? I mean, if the mind is a lot more than we think it is, then that needs to be incorporated in how we think about health. So this could change a lot of things in the way we live and probably improve lives in that way. But beyond the scientific and medical changes and technological changes, I think there are big social implications of this. If we're connected in the same stream of water, then the separation that we appear to see with our eyes, and our eyes are very limited in what they can show us, we know that from science. There's a lot of stuff our eyes don't see. Okay. If, we are just so, if we're just biased to say, well, what my eyes see is this separation and that's it, that creates a lot of the conflicts we have in the world today, both on a, you know, an individual relationship level, but also between nations and between governments. Uh, This belief that we're actually separate, I think, causes problems. And if that's not correct scientifically, which in in, an end to upside-down thinking, I argue, the science points in a different direction, that we're actually connected in a way that we don't see with our eyes. So how would we treat each other? Probably a lot better. And in the world today, I think that's one of the biggest issues we have.
0: Yeah. And going back to just the, uh, you you mentioned just the, the benefits of like what it can do for like health you know health you know what it can do to improve those with with health problems who who may be looking for cures and and those who who have the gift of uh, uh to, to or uh those who have the gift of remote viewing they can maybe you know search search other continents for for possible cures or they can um help uh, guide someone who's um, uh who's who's lost or something uh, helping find, uh, help find missing persons. I mean, the, the you know, uh, there's, there's so, so, so many endless, you know, uh, benefits to, to help, you know, uh, heal in the world, you know, so I, 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 I hear healing in all of this, you know, so that's, you know, with, uh, with this conversation, I hear, you know, the possibilities of healing. So. I'm,
2: I'm with you 100%. And, and actually there are some law enforcement agencies that use remote viewers to find missing people. And it's not talked about very much, but remote viewing experts, they talk about how it's it's used sometimes when other other types of methods are not helping. So, yes, I totally agree. Um, there's one other topic that's related to this health and healing, and we haven't discussed it yet. It's Chapter 8 of my book, and it's called Psychokinesis. That is a fancy word for the ability for our mind to somehow affect the physical matter in the world around us. We're going
0: to save that for the other end. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so I know you guys are uh, psyched up for oh, the, the, our celebrity guests here today. This is the Transform You Live show. We are here with Mark Goldberg. I'm your host, Marcus Hart. We're going to take another quick water break, listen to some commercials, listen to some fabulous information on the other side. We'll be right, right back. Compelling talk and look into the seeming wizard like gifts of telepathy and more. Mark Gober, in his new book, An End to Upside Down Thinking, re examines seeming wizard like gifts of telepathy, remote viewing, precognition, and more. Through this new filter, bringing forth the scientific studies that support this viewpoint, be prepared to be astonished. An End to Upside Down Thinking. Mark Gober. An end to upside down thinking. Hello, my people, my people, welcome back. This is the Transform You live show with your host, Marcus Hart, and I am here with Mark Goldberg. You know, they can call me Mark sometimes too, (laughs) but I'm here with the real Mark, (laughs) the celebrity (laughs) Mark himself, the author of what's the name of the book, Mark?
2: It's called An End to Upside Down Thinking.
0: Yes the man a very awesome book and we we end the last part of segment two uh of talking about psychokinesis yes so psychokinesis
2: so that is like i said the ability for the mind to have an effect on the physical world around us and when we think about health that has big implications because our body's physical what can our mind be doing to our body so what's some of the evidence for that I would say the best evidence where it's in a controlled kind of statistically examined study, it's known as um, random number generator machine studies. Um, So this is a type of machine that randomly generates a zero or a one over and over again in a random fashion. So you end up with 50% ones, 50% zeros, just because it's totally random. In the studies, people are asked to mentally try to influence the machine. So they say, hey, Marcus, I want you to put your mind to the machine and I want you to make it produce more ones than zeros. And what is done over many, many studies, and these were studied at Princeton University, where I went to school and I didn't even know this was going on because it was very controversial. And it was run by the former dean of engineering. So this is a rocket scientist who was running these studies (laughs) for 27 years, um, looking at the effects of mind on matter. And what they found is that when people do this, they put their mental attention on making the machine produce more ones and zeros, you get a very, very slight, but highly statistically significant effect where it's a little bit more ones and zeros. And so it's showing that at the very least, the mind is having a very small, subtle effect on the physical world around us. So who knows what that means in terms of our health and our body and our cells, um, how, how our minds affecting things.
0: Well, that, that is very important because, you know, um, many many people uh, tend to, you know, uh, they they go to the 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 most you know common common thing. Well, it's, it's the the food you're eating. It's the you know the it's the the weather conditions, you know. But they they don't ever think to say, well, you know, it's the thoughts. Uh, it's the, the the way you perceive. You know, the environment. You know, is it, is definitely you know uh, first, you know. Uh, you know, your consciousness, you know, so and and, and what you're saying and pointing to is like, you know, research backs it up. You know, so,
2: totally, totally, yeah. So, it's, it tells us, I think, that we should be more mindful of how we're thinking about things and maybe take more responsibility over things that are happening around us if our mind is having more of an effect on, on things. So, I think it takes us back to, okay, what am I, how am I thinking and how is that affecting things around me? It's at least worth exploring, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, and, and you know, it, 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 and it's, it's, it's very, I guess, in a sense, it's very careless that, you know, we don't want to have this conversation as we were talking about it um, over over the break. You know how, you know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of sad that this is not really a, a popular uh, su- subject matter. You know, in in the mainstream culture right now, uh, especially when you know we 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 seeing so many people, you know, dying of cancer, um, you know, uh, crime is rampant, and you know, um, our justice system is just torn to bits. It, it you know, it's so much stuff going on, and you know, and if we were to incorporate, you know, a, a lot of some of this you know, of what you what you have found in your book and, and, and what you offer in your book uh, I, I mean we can have so, so much of a better world um, what, what else can, can you share with us you know, um, you know that you, you may have like come across that, that you share in your book that, that may be you know very helpful to, to the audience out there
2: So, First of all, I agree with everything that you said and and that's why I decided to write this again is to make the information available so that we can get the word out and have people talking about it more. But I mentioned earlier quantum physics and I think it's important to talk about because it's not the kind of thing that we're seeing with our eyes all the time because it's happening at the very, very small scales of reality. And the reason it's important to talk about it is that our reality is working at all these different scales. So if we want to understand who and what we are, and what all this stuff is that we're in, what's this universe, we really need to understand the small levels too. And what we find in quantum physics, so this is a branch of physics that came about over a hundred years ago. So it's relatively new, but it's not that new. It's been around for a while. And there are two things that I'll talk about that I think are important for people to understand that exist and have been proven, but it's not talked about. One is called entanglement. Okay. And this is the idea when you have two particles, like two physical things that are distant from each other. They're not connected. But when they're far away, and if you affect one, like if you spin one, the other one is affected at the same instant. Mm-hmm. That's a very big simplification. But the point is that there seems to be some invisible connection between two things that are separate from each other because they're behaving in a correlated way. Now, why is that significant? Albert Einstein he came up with general relativity theory. Yeah, yeah, so he, one of the most famous scientists ever, he thought the speed of light was the fastest that anything could travel, which is really, really fast, but it's not instantaneous. And with entanglement, we're seeing an instantaneous connection where something's happening faster than the speed of light. It's as if the particles are physically connected. Albert Einstein, he did not like this at all. He called entanglement spooky action at a distance, and he tried to disprove it. He wanted to get rid of it because he wanted the speed of light. He fought he, he into that idea so much. And in his process of trying to disprove entanglement, he only further proved that it's real. And now it's very much accepted. So we have this thing happening where there's the connection between stuff that's physically distant. And that kind of points back to this idea of maybe we're connected, we're entangled in this broader whirlpool. Maybe our minds are entangled in ways that we haven't thought about. And there's actually a great that's book by... Uh, Dr. Dean Radin. It's called Entangled Minds, where he looks at quantum physics and things like telepathy. So I just wanted to mention that because the basis of our reality, there are parts of our science and our physics, the underpinning of the universe, that is pointing in this direction, but
0: it's just not talked about, and it's not something we see with our eyes. That would be like sort of like uh, when someone comes up with an idea, and and when they don't jump on it right away, then someone else comes out with that same idea. <laughs> Right. Who knows
2: how information is, is out there? I think we just have to ask questions like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, he stole my idea. Well, no, you guys are kind of entangled. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's kind of like circle back. The uh, you know, so like, you, you know, you mentioned um, you as a partner at Sherpa Technology Group. Uh, tell us tell us more about that.
2: Well, it doesn't have anything to do with my book. What I do at Sherpa Technology Group is we advise technology companies on their innovation strategy and in particular intellectual property. So when a company has really important inventions that they patent, and they get patents on it, they often need strategic advice on what to do with those patents. So we help companies on their business strategy, we help them with their innovation strategy, and we help them when they're transacting, if they're buying and selling technologies, we help them do that.
0: Okay, and that, that's something you're still active, uh, actively doing right now in, in addition to uh,
2: being an author? Yes, yes, I'm a partner at the firm.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. and. And then, uh, first, like uh, on your own, you know, personal, uh, I guess, in a sense, conscious, on uh, uh, story. Um, how how has, you know, just this this research in itself has changed changed your life, you know, or transformed transform your life, you know? How has it made, you know, I guess, your life better, or you know, um, or maybe reshaped it differently.
2: It's changed it completely. So as I mentioned earlier in the interview, I used to think that the materialist view is correct, that we're made of matter, and then consciousness comes out of us. So when the body dies, it's over. My perspective was a very bleak outlook on life. I'm kind of like, well, nothing matters really. I can try to come up with meaning, but I'm just rationalizing it to make myself feel better. Now I, th- I think that is upside down thinking the way I used to think. And that it's it's something very different where there is a there's a lot more happening than our eyes can see and that our ears can hear. We're not sensing all that's here. And our basic identity is more tied to this consciousness rather than to our physical bodies. Um, So that has big implications for how we think about our own life and life and death and fearing death versus not fearing death. I mean, what people say when they come back from the near-death experience very often is that they don't fear death anymore because they see these other realms that they're not typically seeing. So I think that has changed for me. But also if we think about how like the meaning of life and the life review in the near-death experience where people what they're coming back and saying is they judge themselves not based on how successful they were but based on how they treated people i think i used to always like to treat people well but now i think about things very differently of wait maybe we actually are connected and entangled in this way that we're not seeing with our eyes if that's true then each person is very important and each person yeah. deserves to be treated at the core level. Um, beyond just being the same biological species, that there's something deeper
0: that's happening.
2: So I think that understanding is just a big shift.
0: Well, that's that's beautiful, man. You know, um uh... You know that, that's really heartfelt words, and for those who just joined on, we're talking with uh, Mark Goldberg. Uh, for those who are uh, listening uh, via the our Radio, um, you know, if you can see this guy, you know, he's definitely, definitely glowing. You know, and you know, he he he's really touching us and really helping us make real transformation in our lives right now. Uh, you, you definitely got to uh, connect with him, uh, Mark. You know, if we wanted to uh, get a hold of you know you and 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 get more information about your book and, and give us a title of your book once again and, and, and how we can find that book sure
2: the book is called an end to upside down thinking and the subtitle is dispelling the myth that the brain produces consciousness and the implications for everyday life my website is my name mark gober.com m-a-r-k-g-o-b-e-r.com and that has information on me and my book but my book is also available on amazon and barnes and noble and bookstores i also um, will be coming out with my own podcast it's not released yet but i'm in the process of and i've conducted a bunch of interviews already and i'm working with producers to make it into a real show but i interview the scientists and many of the people that i discuss in my book so that if people want to hear from the, the voices themselves rather than just read my quotations they'll be able to do that on my podcast
0: Awesome! Awesome! We look forward to that, you know. So, you know, please stay in touch, so that we can uh, be alerted on when that will drop, so that we can uh, be able to hear hear that and, and be able to share share share, and uh, and, and and replay replay replay, because <laughs> that's you know very important. That, you know that we hear that information and, and get that information out uh, to you know to our audience and that they share to. To, uh, to their friends as well. Uh, so, uh, with timeline and down, you know, do you have any final words of wisdom or uh, just final thoughts for us?
2: I think you you raised a lot of really important points, Marcus, of the implications of what I'm discussing here and how it could affect people on an individual basis, but also the broader society. So, really, what I'm trying to do, and, and my professional life is not in this consciousness world at all. This is a passion project because I see real potential for people individuals to transform and for society to improve in many ways so if you're excited about the book if you read it and you think it's it's helpful to you i guess just spreading the word about the ideas and getting them out there more because for me it was a life-changing realization to, to learn about these things it totally shifted my life and i'm hoping that even this interview alone could at least open the door for certain people that want to go in this direction so i would just encourage people to let up to let people know about this interview and the book if they're if they're finding it interesting
0: thank you once again mark gober uh very heartfelt words i mean you you really offer so much to our audience we are very blessed to have had you man you know you've been a very you know important asset to this show today you know uh, once again we have talked with the very wonderful and a very amazing mark Goldberg, he's the author of an end to an upside-down thinking. Uh, MarkGoldberg.com. That is Mark G-O-B-E-R dot Be sure to connect with him. Check out the book. Make sure you check out his podcast when that do come out. Man, he's awesome. <laughs> I can say so much. And if you have missed this show, you have missed so much. But you can not replay it back. Replay it back over and over and over again. <laughs> so thank you. Many blessings, peace, and lots of love. Hold on, Mark Hold the line, and we'll be right with you. Thank you. This is WTLP Digital Radio, Milwaukee. Thank you for listening to the Transform You Live Show, the Transform You Live Media Broadcast Network. For more information, visit TransformU Broadcast.com. That's transform Broadcast.com. Or tell your smart speaker, hey, play Transform You Live Show. Win you blessings, peace, and lots of luck. Join us next time.